Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the emergency medicine residents and faculty at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Core Concepts of Emergency Medicine. Welcome to this week's Core Concepts, brought to you by the EM Guidewire team from the Carolinas Medical Center EM Group. Today we have myself, Russell Tregronis, Craig London, and most importantly, in the star of today's show, stellar MS4 student and journalism master student, Manali Nigam, joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for so much for joining us today. So today's episode is going to be brought to you by the NeuroConsult. When you forget your reflex hammer and you don't have 30 minutes for a proper exam, all you need is your local neurologist. The NeuroConsult. Now, let's get back to the show. So today we'll be talking about myasthenic crisis. But first, let's understand myasthenia gravis, or as I like to say, MG. The real MG. (laughs) What I find really interesting about MG is its pathophysiology. So, Craig, can you walk us through the mechanism? Yeah. So usually the neurotransmitter acetylcholine is released by a nerve fiber and attaches to its receptor on the muscle, eventually generating an action potential and causing muscle contraction. Myasthenia gravis is an autoimmune neuromuscular disease, and patients have antibodies that block the acetylcholine receptors preventing neurotransmission and adequate stimulation of that muscle. This leads to weakness. Exactly. So the classic presentation is someone who has weakness that's worse at the end of the day or with prolonged activity. With repetition or exertion, there's less acetylcholine available, and in MG patients, they also lack functional acetylcholine receptors, which causes even more weakness. What are some of the other symptoms you could see? Now, in addition to the weakness in proximal extremities, there's ptosis, diplopia, and bulbar weakness. You can also see dysphagia or basically weakness in any other voluntary muscle. And in the ED, there are really three conditions that we would see an MG patient in. So someone who's stable or coming in for a non-MG-related issue, a previously undiagnosed patient who's coming in with new symptoms, or a patient in an exacerbation or crisis. We're going to focus on myasthenic crisis, which is when an MG patient has weakness and respiratory distress or failure. So what could cause a myasthenic crisis? That's a great question. The crisis could be triggered by any form of physical or emotional stress. The most common is infection, but other underlying causes are surgery, pregnancy, asthma, medications, or changes in drug tolerance. Now, like I read in Titanales, which I've obviously memorized, there's about 15 to 20% of MG patients will go through a crisis requiring an emergency intervention. Now, most people in a crisis are already diagnosed with MG, so what we want to focus on in the ED is stabilizing that patient, going back to the good old ABCs. So right away, we'd want to assess the patient's respiratory status. But before talking about airway management, it's important to note that if the patient is stable enough to hold a conversation, definitely do a good history and physical. For a focused review of systems, ask about weakness that worsens with exertion or at the end of the day. Possible infectious sources, toxin and drug exposures, recent stress, and current medication list. Pay close attention to new meds because there are a ton of drugs that can cause an exacerbation. So what should we do after getting the history? We'll do the physical exam. And I'm guessing you'd want to do a stellar respiratory and neuro exam. Stellar. Craig, I think you should always do a stellar neuro exam. But what are some signs you want to look for? That's a good point. Well, for starters, for respiratory, you could see accessory muscle use and retractions or hear some abnormal lung sounds. But in the MG patient, accessory muscle use can be absent because of that fatigue. So it's important to pay attention to things like a quiet voice or 
maybe some weak neck muscles that could signify respiratory distress or impending failure. Exactly. And what would you assess in the neuro exam, Russell? So ideally, I would just like to order an MRI. But if I'm going to go through a full neuro exam, we want to make sure we're assessing mental status, cranial nerves, checking sensation, strength, reflexes, as well as coordination and gait. But for someone who's in respiratory distress, we're probably going to need to do an abbreviated version. I'm assuming it's important to look at the pupils and muscle strength and then check a few reflexes here and there. So as much as I'm a hardcore fan of a good thorough neuro exam, you're right. For someone with acute distress, that's just not really practical. So there's a 30-second focused neuro exam you could do. So it's important to look at pupil reactivity and extraocular movements, test sensation, then assess Babinski and patellar reflexes. You should test strength against resistance, specifically in the arms, legs, and head. So have the patient lift and keep the head off the bed to assess for neck strength. Overall in the physical exam, look for ptosis, weakness, grossly increased secretions, and signs of respiratory failure. Speaking of which, how do you determine if an MG patient needs to be intubated? I can answer that. I also like that physical exam. It's a little bit shorter than the MRI would take anyways. Other than looking at work of breathing and respiratory rate, you can do a formal breathing capacity test, assessing for vital capacity and negative inspiratory force, also known as the NIF score. To measure the vital capacity, the patient takes a deep breath, maximally inhaling and exhaling into a spirometer. The NIF score is used to measure inspiratory strength. The patient maximally inhales against a closed valve and the force generated at the mouth is recorded to get that score. Yep, and what are some of the thresholds we want to look for? So you should consider intubation if the vital capacity is less than 10 to 20 mLs per kg or if the NIF score is less than negative 20. Now in general, MG patients in crisis need to have their oxygenation monitored closely and these breathing capacity tests should be taken every two to four hours. You can see a lot of dynamic changes with these patients. Right, and if formal breathing capacity tests aren't readily available, there is another screening you could do at bedside to assess inspiratory muscle strength. Just have the patient count up from one and hear what number they count up to in a single breath. If the patient can't count past 20 in a single breath, that could be another indication for intubation. But remember, while thresholds can certainly guide us in management, we don't want to rely just on numbers. So it is important to consider the patient's overall respiratory status by looking at work of breathing, oxygenation, phonation, and secretion clearance. What if a patient has appropriate secretions and is above the threshold, but there's still some work of breathing and you're concerned that the respiratory distress could worsen? Great question, Craig. So you could try non-invasive positive pressure ventilation. For patients with myasthenic crisis, non-invasive PPV, like BiPAP, has been shown to reduce the need for intubation and the time in the ICU. So I'd definitely try that for borderline patients. But let's say there's a patient who definitely needs intubation. What should you consider next? Well, just like every intubation, you want to go through every step here. But the big thing to think about is thinking about the medications you're going to give them during intubation. So here, succinylcholine's not really going to be a great choice. Since MG patients have fewer acetylcholine receptors, I would think they would need a much higher dose of depolarizing paralytic agents, and that the effects of these agents could last longer. You got it. So the effects of depolarizing paralytic agents can last two to four times longer in MG patients. There's a really unpredictable response to sucks, so it should be avoided. You could use non-depolarizing agents like vecuronium or rocuronium, but at lower doses. It's reasonable to start with one-third to one-half the standard dose of non-depolarizing paralytics. So if you're using rocuronium, you could start with 0.3 to 0.5 mg per keg versus the standard 1 to 1.2 mg per keg. You could also consider awake intubation with conscious sedation using propofol, fentanyl, or ketamine. 
Once the patient has a stable airway, then you can start investigating the underlying cause. I love it. So after stabilization, get an infectious workup, like a chest x-ray, some blood work, CBC, urinalysis, a blood culture. Other tests that could be helpful could be a BMP, tox screen, CK levels, and an ECG to evaluate for arrhythmia, and of course a beta-HCG if the patient's female and of childbearing age. An ABG could be useful for vent management, but it's not great as a diagnostic tool because the CO2 level and the oxygen saturation usually changes much later in the myasthenia crisis. Discontinue any medications that you think could have caused the crisis. Replace any electrolyte imbalances and treat an underlying infection. Yeah, and definitely take caution during electrolyte replacement if you need uh, magnesium because mag by itself can cause an exacerbation. Antibiotics like aminoglycosides, macrolides, and fluoroquinolones place patients at a high risk for exacerbations as well. There are a lot of antibiotics in meds, including beta blockers and corticosteroids that you should be really cautious of. Even if the patient isn't in a crisis and showing up to the ED for another reason, there's a much more comprehensive list of drugs to avoid in the show notes. But basically, if you're giving a medication to an MG patient, double check and make sure it's not contraindicated. That's awesome advice. It's something I don't think I've heard of before. Seriously, I've never Thanks. Heard of <laughs> <laughs> Great work, Craig. <laughs> you also want to avoid acetylcholinesterase inhibitors like pyridostigmine during a myasthenia crisis. Even though pyridostigmine is used as a maintenance medication, it can cause excess secretions that can complicate airway management. You can restart it in the ICU once the patient shows improvement from rapid therapy like Plex. Really good point, Craig. So another thing to mention is that a cholinergic crisis can mimic myasthenic crisis. It's really rare because the dose of pyridostigmine these patients take isn't usually high enough to cause toxicity. A patient with MG is much more likely to be in an actual myasthenic crisis than a cholinergic crisis. The way to distinguish between the two is to look for autonomic symptoms. So in a cholinergic crisis, you'd see your typical cholinergic symptoms like diarrhea, emesis, bradycardia, meiosis, salivation, etc. So let's say you've established the diagnosis as myasthenic crisis. You've stabilized the airway and are investigating the underlying cause. Who do you want to call? Ghostbusters. <laughs> or neurology. I mean, really, they're kind of very similar. They're on the same spectrum of disease processes here. But neurology team is definitely the team you want to get involved, as well as the ICU team. If you're concerned about respiratory depression, things like that, we want a critical care team to admit and be able to continue to monitor that patient. I agree with your assessment as the neuro team being similar to Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, once patients are transferred to the ICU... That's where they'll start rapid therapy like Plex to get rid of the acetylcholine receptor antibodies. Corticosteroids can be used for maintenance therapy, but they usually aren't restarted until after a few days, once the patient is on Plex. So let's work through a short case together. A 35-year-old woman is coming to the ED with dysphagia and shortness of breath. She has a known history of MG. She had a UTI two days ago and is being treated with ciprofloxacin. She can only count up to five in one breath, her NIF score is negative 15, and she can't clear her secretions. What should we do? Based off her respiratory status, it sounds like we need to intubate her. So I know we all don't want to use sucks, so I'll start by giving her 0.5 mg per kg of rocuronium. So we've intubated her, and she's stable. What should we do next, Russell? So next we want to stop her Cipro. Number one, because it's a terrible drug. But number two, that might be the reason that it caused the crisis in the first place. Now we should do a comprehensive workup for this patient. Chest x-ray, blood culture, urinalysis. You're getting a beta HCG because of course you're getting a beta HCG. And then of course we're going to call Neuro, Ghostbusters, and everyone else. Let's get the ICU team on board. Perfect. So putting it all together, MG patients in a crisis will present with muscle weakness and respiratory distress. 
If the patient is stable enough, go ahead and get a detailed history. Do a focused physical exam and pay attention to work of breathing. Try to get a 30-second neuro exam prior to intubation if possible. You want to do a formal breathing capacity test on this patient to get the vital capacity and NIF score. If the vital capacity is less than 10 to 20 mLs per kg or your NIF score is less than negative 20, the patient's clinical status is suggesting impending respiratory failure. We need to get in front of this and intubate. If the patient is borderline, as always, consider non-invasive positive pressure ventilation. Avoid peritostigmine and corticosteroids in initial management. Use non-depolarizing agents at a low dose for intubation. Investigate and treat the underlying cause. Admit to the ICU, and of course, get that neuroconsult. I love it, guys. Manali, thank you so much for joining us here today and dropping all these knowledge bombs on something we don't see very commonly, but it's a scary patient when they get here. Thanks again, everyone. From the J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studios here in Charlotte, North Carolina, this is EM Guidewire. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go be awesome today. CMC out. Ghostbusters. <laughs> 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 <laughs>